Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have another great guest on. Now, one of the things that you will find is that, you know, 2020 was a very challenging year for a lot of business owners. But what I found to be very interesting in doing, you know, 200 plus interviews throughout 2020 is coming across entrepreneurs that found ways to innovate and not only just innovate, just solve and add value despite what was going on around, just figuring out, hey, how do I innovate and how do I still add value? And a company that was adding and is still adding tremendous value is Rhino Medical Supply. So welcome to the show, Lance Brown. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. I mean, again, Highly appreciate all the great work that you're doing and providing, you know, high quality PPE of really helping keep people safe. Yeah. And congrats to you for doing 200 interviews. I can even imagine. <laughs> it's been definitely an interesting process of, like I said, of learning a lot and like I said, developing as a host. But, you know, it's more about you and your story. So before we jump into the details of Rhino Medical Supply, Tell us a little bit about your background kind of leading up to Rhino Medical Supply. Got it. Yeah, appreciate the question. Um, so, yeah, so my name is Lance Brown and I live in South Carolina. I've lived in, I always say, a hundred mile box my entire life and it's, it's worked out thus far. Um, so I went to from a, a town called uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I went to the University of South Carolina undergrad. From there, after I graduated, I started at Wells Fargo uh, back in 2005. Um, I, my major was sports administration. So my dream was to work in the front office for a professional team. And, um, you know, when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be an engineer and I shouted one for a day and I was like, I can't do that. So, so I, I figured out fairly quickly that as long as I'm talking to people, breathing humans, that I, it gives me energy. And I had a fraternity brother who was at Wells Fargo and he's like, Hey, I think you'd be good at this. And, um, he introduced me to his manager and this is an important story because it'll, it'll all top back. He introduced me to his manager didn't get the job. He, he actually hired another one of my chapter um, brothers. And um, he's like, I liked you. I want, to, I want you to interview with my best friend on the Harbison branch. So I did that, got the job. The rest is history. Um, destroyed my other fraternity brother that he hired instead of me. Um, that guy who passed on me, his name is Alex Karotic. And um, so I started my career at Wells Fargo. Uh, started on the financial services side. We did you know lending, mortgages, um, auto loans, credit card and it was more in subprime. So, I mean, it was tough. It was brutal. Um, it was right before all the stuff hit the fan with the housing crisis. And then in 2010, I'd been with Wells Fargo for five years and I felt confident I could do anything within a company, but I didn't want to be labeled um, like a mortgage person. So uh, from there, I was like, I want to do something different. So we had a new um, Wells Fargo and Wachovia became the same. Wachovia was bought by Wells Fargo. So Wells Fargo did everything internally, Wachovia outsourced everything. So my position on merchant services was created in 2010, and it gave me an opportunity to move back to Columbia, South Carolina, and I was one of the first reps on the merchant side on the East Coast to work for Wells Fargo. So I helped build that out, the partnership, um, banking, uh, credit card process, and that's what that is. So from there, I got promoted to a manager. I got my MBA from Duke during that time period. Then I got promoted to a senior market manager wherever saw and I supported four different states. I had South Carolina, Western North Carolina at one point, Alabama, Tennessee, and we had one store in Mississippi. So I got to claim the whole state. So that was kind of cool. Um, so I was supporting a team of outside sales reps on the credit card processing side. And then that guy that passed on me um, 
five years or 10 years earlier, Alex Karate, he was at Wells Fargo. He left to start a company with his dad and they grew the uh, property management company to one of the largest in the country. I mean, they were doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in revenue a year. And, and I told him, I was like, listen, I'm doing decent at Wells Fargo, but I think if we did this ourselves, we could, we could really do it big. We just can't be the Mickey Mouse clubhouse. And he's like, well, what do we need? So Alex uh, afforded me and three other partners, uh, two other partners to leave Wells Fargo. And we started Swipe Fast. And that was December 1st, 2017. So we just turned three there. Um, and prior to that, I was, my story is kind of unique. I always say I was like a play play entrepreneur. I had a partner, really good friend, um, Ada Owens. She worked at Wells Fargo um, back in the day and she left and went to Atlanta and she texts me and she's like, Hey, I want to start a hookah lounge. And I was like, Hey, I want in. I text her back. Cause I, I want in. Um, she was just asked me to help her locate a, a, a place like a, a storefront in Columbia. And I was like, I want a part of it. So that was kind of like my first, you know, in business endeavor that was in 2013 I was, I always say I was a play play entrepreneur because I had a full-time job. So I didn't have to rely on income from the hookah spot to survive, which is, we'll go into that later. That's a completely different beast. Um, so I knew that I was good and comfortable with Wells Fargo. And then when I left uh, Wells Fargo to start Swipe Fest, our credit card processing company, um, that was my baby. So the hookah spot, I always kind of kid is like, it's always been on the back burner because when I was there, Wells Fargo is my full-time gig. And when I left Wells Fargo, Swipe became my full-time gig. And then with Rhino, um, we we hired a guy for Swipe back in 2019, uh, Trip Robinson. He's a partner of Rhino now, but he spent 20 plus years in medical sales. So he had all of this experience. And I hit him up on LinkedIn. I was stalking him. I knew we were we were looking to bring on a relationship manager in the upstate part of our uh, part of South Carolina. And I wanted someone with unique experience, you know, outside sales. They're used to calling on a more sophisticated type customer, not just like door to door, you know, trying to sell you anything, trying to get you to sign a contract, low integrity type sales folks. So I was looking for a certain, you know, type characteristic and personality. And, and I located, I found Trip, and we were able to convince him, luckily, to give us a shot, a startup company. And he came on board. And then a year later, we had no idea, like his medical experience, how it would impact and help start a new, a new business, which is Rhino. So when the pandemic uh, first hit, um, Alex Skorotic again, he, he said, I just got a feeling like, you know, something's big is about to happen. And I've got my resources in China. And that's what he did. He reallocated his resources and he started a PPE company and we were brokering and we were selling through him. And we just had a disagreement, um, just a different, not necessarily disagreement, but a different vision of strategy. Um, and that was kind of the catalyst. And we started Rhino Medical. So we started back in April. We incorporated May 7th. And we started right outside of my garage. And then it just, I mean, it took off like wildfire. We, we hired a guy out of Ohio um, that had 13 plus years calling on group purchasing organizations for healthcare systems. So we just started sprinkling it, you know, putting it out there. And then all of a sudden it just took off. Like it was like in 30 days, we were getting POs from all over, um, all over the country. So right now we're, we're in 30 different states, 30 plus different states. Our customers are hospitals, healthcare systems, schools of all shapes and sizes. And uh, we went from the garage to we're in 12,000 square foot building. Uh, we are a distributor. So we, we, we got away from the brokering model back in, in May because one of the biggest, most annoying things about PPE in this environment during COVID is that there's so many bad actors out there that's just looking to take advantage of, you know, people, hospitals, the folks who really rely on the personal protection. 
Um, so we pivoted and we, we brought on another partner, Elliot Haney, who's our COO. He had manufacturing background. And then we, when Elliot came on, I, I told him, I was like, listen, man, we're growing like crazy. I think in the first couple of months, we were over 20 million in POs. I mean, it was, it was growing like crazy. And um, I said, we need everything real, but I need you to just come audit me. Like, come sit with me and just look at stuff that I, that I, that you may see that we need. And he did. And then he kept coming back and he was like, I can help with this. And he just, he just put his head down and went to work. And then we just, you know, we just started scaling and growing. And now our model and our goal, long-term goal was always to be here after COVID. You know, we realized that COVID gave us an opportunity. Um, it's a low barrier to entry. It's like having a, a broomstick on the ground. All you got to do is just walk over it. Because if you had relationships and you treated people fairly and they trusted you, they gave you an opportunity to earn their business because that's how you know dire of a situation it was when COVID first hit. So we had good relationships because of trip with hospitals that gave us an opportunity. I want to say the first one was like a million and a half mask, and then it was a hundred thousand gowns. Um, and at this time, hospitals were paying their purchase orders up front. It's, it's not that way anymore. They just gave us the, the barrier to entry was really low, and we kind of leveraged that to we said you can either make a good lick now during COVID, or you can use this to earn customers and be here after COVID. So that was our strategy. Is like long term, we want to be here. So how do we do that? So that's where Elliot has been really instrumental in getting us direct with manufacturers. So we're distributors. Um, and, then, and then the other piece of it, and I can talk a lot too, so please stop me if, at any point. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing too, part of our biggest heartburn and headache was lead times. Everything was coming from China. You had to worry about um, counterfeit. You know, we were working out in my garage, so we didn't have a warehouse. We didn't have anything to, to inventory anything. So we had to trust the people we were doing business with to drop ship and send it to our customers. And it worked, but, you know, from just from a business standpoint, it didn't make a lot of sense because we had to share with them who our customers are. So from a circumvention standpoint, I mean, it could happen at any time. So we knew like when we were ready, organically ready to grow into something, a different model, that's what we were going to do. And then, so, so Elliot was really the catalyst behind that. So one of the things that I remember from, like I said, my I days, I, I spent more of my career at working at General Electric. And one of the big things we, we used to work through when we went through drop shipping was your quality compliance. So how did you guys navigate that when you were going through, you know, the drop shipping? Great. Yeah, man, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing, too, is that, I mean, we were learning a completely different industry at the same time. And I think that's what makes us unique. I mean, we got a, you know, our, our professional background is very diverse. I mean, I, finance. We got one of the partners, Charles, he's, he was in electronic forms of payment and banking. So he was in banking before he, um, he worked on my team. And then we got retail, we got um, medical sales, we got HR, we got manufacturing. So we're learning a whole completely new industry for the first time. So a lot of that education piece is that we receive um, the goods and we would send them off to like our customers and they would test them. And now we got more of like a clinical partner that we send everything that we get and they, you know, so it's clinically tested. But at first I didn't even know what a, what an N95 meant, you know, <laughs> so we had to learn everything for the first time. And it, and that was part of it. It was like learning a new industry, a completely new industry and then scaling it and ramping up as fast as we were able to just because of the times. 
Gotcha. No, I'm also curious, I mean, because you hear a lot of people when, you know, if they were to get, you know, $20 million in POs, they would be like, oh, man, I'm so excited. But what's, I mean, when you know you have to, all right, now you got to go deliver. Or they Great gotta, point. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> what was that like, I guess? Uh, once you got the order, I'm sure you were probably very excited. But once, you know, the emotions settled down, how did you guys start, you know, sorting that out mentally? <laughs> Great, great question, because the revenue number and the, and the PO number is two completely different things. I think a purchase order is an important metric because it does show your ability to to capture business and, you know, to get folks to trust you. And all of the POs that we were able to get, we wasn't able to deliver on. But what we're most proud of is that we were able to give literally every red cent back to our customers that we couldn't. So the most, I mean, Think about having to wire $16 million back to someone because you couldn't get a certain type of mask. And at the time it was a, it was a, a 3M 1860. I mean, it was the most coveted mask on the, on earth. And it was like chasing a unicorn. And what happens is anytime something is, is highly coveted, then you get a lot of fraud and bad actors and you get people that want to wire you money. They tell you this, they tell you it's real. So you have to go down a lot of rabbit holes to see what's real. And we have a fiduciary responsibility just from our banking background to where we guard every penny, you know, like Fort Knox, you know, so we, we wouldn't release any money, especially someone else's money without confirming and verifying that it's real. So yes, it sucked that we had to give back and we couldn't deliver on some POs, but that's what really was the, the catalyst and the driver for us to work directly with manufacturers and have a distribution model because we can control the supply chain. We know exactly what the lead times are going to be. We're talking directly with the maker, uh, the manufacturer versus someone who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, because that's what you get into in the brokering world. And we know we didn't want any part of that, you know, when we first started. So that's a great point. So I think purchase orders is a cool metric, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything if you don't deliver. It just shows your ability to get business. Gotcha. And then I guess when you're also in like this hyper growth stage that you guys were, you know, trying to navigate, how did you get, get, get comfortable with bringing on other people? Because I'm sure you, know, you had to hire people on the team and get people to help. Like, how did you get comfortable with hiring at a rapid speed? Well, uh, great, because we really haven't. So <laughs> um, we're very strategic in everything that we do from like whether it be human capital or inventory, every, like every, we make, we have to make tough decisions every day of how we spend our money. Um, so we, we took it from more of like, let's get really talented people. And you, sometimes you have to pay more to get that versus hiring like, you know, a bunch of people that's just not going to work out and just throwing stuff against the wall. So we have few people that do a lot of different jobs really well versus just a bunch of people that's doing a job decent. So we got to, you know, we got to sell, we probably have 10 people spread out across the country. And we had to break up with a couple folks that we brought on, um, on a, from a 1099 standpoint when we first started, just because we just didn't align. Like our vision didn't align the way that they wanted to treat customers didn't align with our vision. Um, we're very transparent in how we do business. We're, we're here to earn. We don't look at, at business as transactional. So like, you know, building a relationship is extremely important to us. And how we treat customers and how they come and them coming back and recurring business is a, is a key indicator of that versus like, let me see how much I can get out of them. And it's like, a you know, you know, like a hit and run type thing. And you get them once, you never get them again. So we've had to break up with relationships because we just in the line 
um, from an integrity standpoint, from a character standpoint, and an overall vision standpoint. So our, our crew is slim. Um, Elliot and I run the day to day. Then we have Charles. He does like uh, all of the financial stuff, you know, making sure everybody gets paid. I was, just today, I was like, Charles, I want to buy, you know, 30,000 masks. Can we do it? And he was like, yeah, you're good. Like those type things. And so we do a really good job of staying in our lane lanes. Um, we hired a guy on um, this full time that works in a warehouse and is doing the logistics for us. And we didn't hire him until we needed it. So we're growing at an organic pace. We're not bringing in help until like it's time for it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it late and we're not doing it you know, sooner than we need to. We're doing it right when we need to. And so it's allowing us to be able to, to do it, you know, the right way organically. Awesome. Awesome. So now as you guys kind of navigate, like you were talking about, uh, hey, the pandemic gave you a great, you know, low barrier to entry. But now when you're thinking about, OK, how do we make sure our business is well positioned to still exist? Right. You know, when when the pandemic is resolved and the pandemic ends, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you guys have been thinking about to, you know, argue say are factors to consider to make sure you guys will be around and still viable afterwards? Great question. So that that's the thing that probably, I wouldn't even say probably that drives, you know, Elliot and I the most. And we spend a lot of hours. We probably work 12, 15 hours a day. A lot of times we don't get out of here until eight o'clock. And it's fun because we're developing our supply chain. So, I mean, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing I would say to that is that is making sure that we have a diverse catalog and portfolio that we're just not selling something that's needed during COVID. Um, so that's something that's happening all the time. And as we develop relationships with these different manufacturers, they're starting to open up more and more of their catalog to us. You know, like we we're, we're distributors for um, a couple, four different manufacturers for NIOSH masks, but the biggest one is Halyard Health and they're Owens and Minor company. And when they brought us in, the manager brought us in. He's like, in, in 41 years, you guys will be the third distributor that we brought in. But I like you guys' story. Wow. We, we're, I'll call us like a boutique type distributor. We're very close to our customers, community-based. We have our minority business enterprise certificate. So um, there's not many that qualify for that in the realm. And, then, and we have real customers. So we're not just trying to sell it to an open market. We, we're actually selling it to like frontline front heroes that, that needs the protection. And at the time, we didn't know if we if we could sell 10,000 or or 500. But the first 60 days, we've sold over a million of them. Um, and now they're what I, the story I just told you when I asked Charles if we could spend some money today, because now they're starting to open it up and offer us more of their product offerings, like the none in nine fives, the procedural mask. So that's part of it. You know, um, Elliot is hooked. As, Elliot is a beast. Like he'll go if there's a need. We had a really big corporation ask us for uh, oxygen concentrators within five hours. We had a meeting with a manufacturer that sold them. So we've sold over a million syringes. So things like that, that um, just developing our supply chain and our diversifying our catalog so that we can sell more than just masks and gowns and disinfectant products. Awesome. awesome. So now if people are interested in, you know, seeing the, what's going on with Rhino Medical Supply, because I, I came across seeing a post about, you know, the great things you guys are doing in Columbia. Um, a part of that is I'm from Columbia. So I, I heard about oh, really? it. That way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so if people are interested to see, you know, how Rhino, Rhino Medical Supplies are growing and the great things you guys are doing, where can they find you online or social media? Yeah, so we do have a uh, we have an Instagram page that we need to do a better job of keeping up up to date and LinkedIn. Um, I'm one of those ones that I wish I would share more. 
because I think there's so much in the grind of like startup that you know, some of the thought processes that we have to go through daily that would probably be good for inspiring entrepreneurs. We don't, and I don't know, trust me, I do not pretend to know everything, but I've gone through a lot of successes and failures that I could share more, but I would say LinkedIn, um, we, we typically get, you know, whenever we're featured, like in this podcast, uh, I think Bloom, we did an article uh, interview with Bloomberg. We had one with New York Times, uh, Miami Herald. So we're starting to get a little bit of the news. Uh, local news came out and featured this. So we we post all of that there. Uh, we have a new website. It'll be rolling out soon. Right now, it's just a landing page. It's rhinomedicalsupply.com. But it'll be more of a full service, robust solution to where our customers can go register for an account. And then we you know, they have access to our catalog and they can make orders and we can direct ship. So it's more of an automated process. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up the interview, one question I always like to ask is, you know, when you think about where you've been and you think about where the business is now, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other business owners? Yeah. So two pieces of advice is that um, the biggest thing, number one is relationships matter so much and you never know how um, a relationship that you made 20 years ago or 10 years ago and how you treated a person or even if they were working with you or they saw you working from afar and they noticed your grind and your work ethic, how that could become a, a business opportunity. And also, you know, they give you business because they're like, I, I like this person. I work with them, not necessarily for them or or on the same team, but I just know how hard they work. So relationships is extremely important how you treat people and not looking at things from a transactional standpoint, but like really just taking care, cultivating relationships. And then the second piece is that, I mean, the, the human brain is pretty phenomenal and you can, you can learn anything. So if you're in the industry and you feel like it's something that you're not passionate about, you can always, you know, you can hit a reset button. It's not that you can't do it. You're capable of learning anything. And this is come from someone that's been in sales my entire career, but um, worn, you know, mortgages to credit card processing. Now I'm in medical supplies. And I had no idea this time last year that this would even be a thing, but I'm able to learn and adapt and, and learn fairly quickly. And I think that's the case for most people. They just really apply it. And you have to be passionate. Like you have to be passionate. If you're not passionate about the business that you're in, you can only get so far because it takes a lot of work. I mean, talking like 10, 15 hours a day even on the weekend type ground grind to really get something off the ground, but you can, um, you can see it pay off. And, and if you're in business for yourself, this is the last thing I'll say. The cool thing is if you're in corporate America, you can't choose who you work for or who you work with. But when you work for yourself, you can choose all of those things. You can get, you get to create your own culture. You get to choose the people that you want to work with and who you want to hire. So that's an awesome feeling. And you just get to test out new ideas all the time. We test out new stuff that doesn't work. It fails, but we get to test it because it's us. We don't have to go up the ladder and there's not a lot of red tape involved. We got to get permission. We just like, let's try this and see if it works. So that's the cool part about business. So don't be afraid to fail. That's where it really, where the, the learning happens when you kind of get outside of your comfort zone and just really just try new things and, and be a little bit less risk averse, but also, you know, making sure you protect your company because you want it to be here. Awesome. Well, Lance, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure hearing your story and also just to be able to watch and see the great things you guys are doing at Rhino Medical Supply, providing, like I said, quality products that people need that are really, you know, saving and helping people be out there to help others in the medical profession. So thank you so much for being on the show. 
Toro, I appreciate the invite. Best of luck to you. And I'm so proud to see your show growing the way it is too. So looking forward to keeping up with it. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the Business Talk Library is the place where business makes sense.